Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Himalaya. A question for you listening right now. What are you more scared of? Sharks or tiny mosquitoes? People are often terrified of sharks. You know, they think of the movie Jaws and that scary music starts playing in their head. Or they just can't shake that story they read about a swimmer who got bit by a shark. But even in the U.S., you're more likely to die from a mosquito than a shark. People overestimate the danger of sharks, even though mosquitoes are much deadlier. Personally, I'm terrified of Tripoli and West Nile. Those are mosquito-borne illnesses that can kill you with just one mozzie bite. And yet people who avoid swimming in the sea due to fear of sharks go outside at dusk without mosquito repellent. Risky. Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) This comparison of sharks and mosquitoes illustrates a much broader problem. Many of us make mistakes in assessing risks, and they make misguided decisions as a result of that misassessment. This sharks versus mozzies comparison, it's just one of the systematic ways in which people make mistakes. Psychologists have worked with economists to develop behavioral economics. All of economics considers human decision-making, but behavioral economics focuses on the ways in which we humans get tripped up pretty regularly by our brains. Behavioral economics is what we'll be exploring on this week's Think Like an Economist with me, Betsy Stevenson. And I'm Justin Wolfers. This is the podcast where we teach you the tools from economics and maybe psychology that will change your life such as knowing how psychology affects your decision-making. Journalist and former economics student Nazdran Tavakoli-Farr is with us. So people sometimes joke that economists base their models on homo economicus. This is a humorous term of a wholly rational person. Many of us also think we are very rational when we're assessing our risks. Yes, and one of the main problems is about relying on snap judgments rather than taking time to analyze a situation more thoroughly. Psychologists distinguish between two styles of thinking, your intuitive thoughts and a more methodical style of thinking that uses your more deliberate, logical self. Danny Kahneman is a psychologist who actually won a Nobel Prize in economics, and he won it for getting economists to think harder about how our brains think about and sometimes distort the decisions we make. He calls that first style of snap judgment, the intuitive style of thinking, thinking fast. And that second style of judgment, the more deliberate thinking that uses more cognitive effort, he calls that thinking slow. We actually need to use thinking fast in our life because life is short and we can't do slow thinking on every small choice. So what we really need to do is figure out when we need to think slow and when we can get away with thinking fast. That's why it's so important to learn about the types of mistakes that thinking fast might lead you to make. One example of the way we make mistakes is that we tend to be overconfident. I read once that most people think that they are better than average drivers, but obviously that can't be true. One way I demonstrate to my students, and I've done this with executives, about how overconfident they are, is I ask them a bunch of random questions 
and ask them to give me their 99% confidence interval. So what that means is they have to give me a range within which they're 99% sure that the answer lies. So for instance, Naz, what's your 99% confidence interval about how many sheep there are in New Zealand? I don't know anything about New Zealand sheep, but I feel with 99% confidence there are at least 10,000 sheep and probably not more than 10 million sheep. Naz, as wide as that confidence interval is, the true answer's not in it. In fact, in New Zealand, there are nearly 30 million sheep. Wow. One question doesn't show this concept very well, but if we repeated that with 99 more questions, so we gave you 100 questions, then you should only get one of them where the right answer is going to lie outside the interval. But Naz, you got one question... (laughs) And you didn't have your right answer in the interval. It makes me think maybe you shouldn't have been 99% confident. When I play this game with my students, they tend to get about 70% right, even when they think they should be 99% confident. What overconfidence means in our everyday life is that entrepreneurs tend to be overconfident in assessing their company's chances for success. And people picking stocks tend to be overconfident that they're picking winners. The danger is that overconfidence can lead you to underestimate risks and therefore make really bad decisions. Also, if you're overconfident, that might lead you to not reach out to get advice from experts, even when that's advice that could really help you. When you're making decisions where the stakes are significant, it's worth slowing down and remembering that there are other outcomes than the ones you're seeing and hoping for, and that it's worth it to assess things slowly and with more information. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So now I know to be careful about my own overconfidence, what are some other psychological errors that we tend to make? A key part of making good choices in the face of uncertainty is quantifying that uncertainty or the probability of each outcome properly. Unfortunately, the mind is not a very good probability calculator. There are three kinds of biases we all tend to have that can get in the way of us doing a good job assessing probability. The first of these is called availability bias. So whenever there's a plane crash, it's all over the news. Even though in reality, planes are so much safer than driving that you're better off flying than driving if you want to reduce the rate of accidents per mile. So here's the thing about availability bias. It's that tendency to overestimate the frequency of the kinds of events that are going to be easily recalled and then to underestimate the frequency of less memorable events. Danny Kahneman would tell us to stop a moment and think more deliberately about these risks. Slow, deliberate thinking has made me much more afraid of mosquitoes than I am of sharks or planes. 
The second kind of bias that can get in the way of doing a good job assessing probability is what we call anchoring bias. Anchoring bias is when we make an initial prediction about something and then adjust our estimation from there. And the problem arises because we rarely adjust enough. So, Naz, i got a coin here. What do you think the probability is if I flip it once, it'll come up heads? 50%. Okay. Naz, if I flip it eight times in a row, what do you think the chances are I get eight heads in a row? Um, I don't know, 1%. No, in fact, the answer is 0.4%. So instead of 1 in 100, it's 1 in 250. There was an example of anchoring bias because you started with the anchor of 50%. You knew you had to adjust it because getting eight heads is harder than getting one, but you didn't adjust far enough. The third way in which we're bad at assessing probabilities is the representativeness bias, which is about making assumptions about probabilities based on how similar something is to others in that category. For example, investors tend to favor companies started by men. Most investors are white men, and they've seen all those success stories of all those male CEOs. And so they're more likely to assume that the probability a business will succeed by a white man is going to be high because they fit their stereotype of what a successful CEO looks like. Representativeness bias is a big problem when it comes to discrimination, and it's often done unconsciously. A general rule of thumb is that if you judge probabilities based on how similar things are, then it's time to start thinking slow and allow your more deliberate and logical side to start doing a more thorough analysis and hopefully lead you to a better assessment. These are all the biases that impact our ability to assess probabilities. But I bet that we have biases when it comes to evaluating payoffs too. And since figuring out how to handle risk involves evaluating probabilities and payoffs, these biases can get in the way of making good decisions too. That's right. And there are two really big ones I want to help think about today. One is focusing illusion, which is the tendency to mispredict your utility by focusing on a few factors at the expense of others. And the second bias is called loss aversion. People tend to be about twice as sensitive to losses as they are to gains. Basically, it means that you can be tricked by framing something as a gain or a loss, and how it's framed will end up impacting your judgment. So when I tell my student they get a B, if I told them the day before to expect a C, they feel pretty good. They feel like now they've earned something back instead of having lost something. This can really matter in the real world. There's good evidence that, say, doctors make different decisions if you tell them that a treatment will help 90% of people than if you tell them that it won't help 10%. Loss aversion means that if I give you $50, the joy you get from it is smaller than the pain you'd feel if I took it away. So giving you something and then taking it back makes you worse off than if you'd never had it in the first place. And the big mistake that loss aversion can cause when it comes to making decisions is that it can cause you to pay attention to sunk costs. Remember, you should always ignore sunk costs. They're sunk. Your decision needs to reflect the marginal costs and benefits that you face now. Right. For example, homeowners often get fixated on the price they paid for their house and won't sell their house for less than they paid for it. The problem is loss aversion can cause them to hold on to a house that they really don't want, where they'd be better off accepting the best offer on it and moving on. Given so many of us trip up when we're trying to assess our risks, what can we do so we can make better decisions around risk-taking? The most important thing to do is know when you need to slow down and think more methodically about a decision. 
Sometimes you really do need to pull out the sheet of paper and tally up the pros and cons of a choice. Or as economists would say, we're tallying the marginal benefits and marginal costs. It's also important to realize that we have to think fast some of the time, so try to set yourself up for success. Just knowing that you're likely to be overconfident should tell you to be a little more cautious than your first instinct says. Being aware of our biases is an important step in overcoming them. That's true for all the biases we mentioned today. And at some point, you too may shudder at the sight of a mosquito and look at a shark with wonder rather than fear. Look on and enjoy the rationality. (laughs) One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. (laughs) Auto Trader.